last. My arm is complete again. everyone and welcome back to the show this is reservations and i'm jeremy blair and i'm rain wayland we're back we're back two two weeks. two weeks uh yeah um so the last time was because y'all went camping right yes so y'all went camping and then ashley and i went and saw blink 182 yeah and that shit was rad as hell and my mom was also went down um, yes. So yeah, my my mom, my mommy came and saw us, and <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> sweet. We had a blast. Yeah, I bet, man. I mean, you know, uh, it like like we were kind of talking about off mic. It's kind of funny that your mom came to town, and you, Haley, and her all went and got tattoos because me, Ashley, and my mom all went and got tattoos together. Yep. So it was kind of it was kind of funny. Uh, those, those of you watching, uh, it's on my elbow. Uh, there it is. Yeah. Um, Future really, rain may put up yeah. a picture. Um, I yeah, because I don't feel like lifting up my sleeve right now. I understand. Even um, though I think I think Giuseppe is pretty much fully healed at this point. A lot's happened in the two weeks that we've been gone. Uh, Jesus Christ. I think yes. most importantly, we lost Alan Arkin and I think that's, uh, that was horrible. I, uh, yeah. love, and a uh, spoiler for our end of season series. He is going to be in one of the films that we discuss, um, Alan Arkin. And, yep. um, so we'll, we'll praise him when that time comes. Um, but huge fan. Uh, so that was, that was a, that was a bitter loss. That was, a uh, absolutely. You know, I, you know, we, we spoke about Alan earlier this season with Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. Um, right. I, you know, one of the things I, I really love him in, even though he's only in for like a hot minute was the Muppet movie. <laughs> um, just playing this, uh, tour guide. Who's just so like, I just hate my job. <laughs> I hate this. And <laughs> Alan good. just, he he killed it. He's awesome. He, yeah. Alan Arkin's the best. So that yeah. that was a bummer. Um and then um he died and then Hollywood shut down and then here we are. You know? Yep, yep, yep. For those of you who haven't been following, um not only is the uh Writers Guild of America, the WGA, uh, but SAG AFTRA, that's the Screen Actors Guild and I looked up what after meant. I'm not going to look it up again. Uh, essentially, the writers and the actors are both striking. <sighs> yeah. So no, no new anything for quite a while. Nope. Um, we we had just gotten that uh, that those pictures from the Deadpool three set, which looked mm-hmm. pretty cool, and yeah. now that's that's halted and yeah, you know, yeah, lots yeah. Of, but of course. Like I completely understand, and I, you know, we, you know, we hear at reservations 
um, agree with the writers and the actors and that, Absolutely. you know, like uh, getting to just being able to be paid a living wage. I mean, that's important. So absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, it's, you know, not to get too political, you know, but, Jesus. Uh, uh, but, you know, it definitely comes from the industry not being, you know, these executives not being uh, put in place for so long that they think this is okay. You know, yeah. I'm sure you saw the TikTok of the, um, the actress who was in orange is the new black, her, residuals from orange is the new black was $30. Yeah. That's insane. And that's from millions of streams, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so, I mean, yeah, residuals is how actors make their money and that's how they can make a living. And so mm-hmm. those who are on hit TV shows and those, and these are, by the way, we're of course talking about working everyday actors, not movie stars, movie stars. That's completely different. Um, but you're every day like I'm on I'm on a few episodes this season of this hit show or I'm guest starring on this show for an episode and then I'm going to go to this place for an episode and then I have a series arc in this one. And, you know, they bounce around and they're just working actors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you have to make $26,000 a year to maintain health insurance and they are being paid less than that. Yeah. Um so there are a lot of um, actors who are on hit TV shows, who are on multiple episodes, who are um, – and these are like big TV shows uh, – or mm-hmm. like are on Netflix and they're on every episode and they have speaking lines and all that stuff. Like they should be getting paid a lot more and they're making um, nothing. Pennies. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so and then – That's a problem. And of course, writers have been fucked around uh, forever. I mean 2008 was the last writer strike. Last over 100 days. And we're not quite there yet, um, but it'll be interesting to see what what happens this go around because last time it affected things in a really interesting way, most notably for Breaking Bad. Um, Jesse Pinkman was supposed to die at the end of season one, but because of the writer strike, they uh, had I think they had seven episodes instead of eight, and Jesse Pinkman got to uh, got to survive, and then he lasted the rest of the series. So. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of what this will affect, you know, in a sort of narrative plot, you know, way. Yeah. Also, you know, and of course, in the also in a real life way. Hopefully, it um, they come to an agreement soon that benefits the writers and the actors more than it benefits uh, the CEOs. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, fuck those guys, but. Yeah. Um, and this brings us to our next point. Uh, fingers crossed. Let's hope we're not scabbing. I don't think we are because we don't <laughs> yeah. get paid. We're not under any contract of anybody. I'm not taking anyone's place doing anything. Um, it, it, it It's even silly to even bring it up because that is pretty self-important of us. Uh, we yeah. are not that important. We are no one. But uh, just so it's documented, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just in case one day, you know? <laughs> yeah, one the, the fateful day where where you and I are in, in a boardroom with uh, Mr. or Mrs. CEO. And they're like, yeah, remember that time when during the strike y'all talked about a movie? And we're sweating like the Key and Peele skit. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I don't remember that. I don't mm. remember that. Oh, it's Get not, it's like, not us. Like, oh, thank you for your time. They're just handsome guys that looked like us. It wasn't us. Um, (laughs) That's totally not us. But you know what's really fascinating before we move on? 
mm-hmm. um, is how it's and I didn't even think about this when this all went down, and especially when the um, when SAG uh, started um, to begin their strike, was how it affects those on social media who do have uh, contracts with studios for promotional purposes. Mm. Um, it, it, it is, I follow a lot of them, um, on, on TikTok for, for instance, I feel like a hundred years old when I say <laughs> things like on TikTok. Anyway. Um, well, as long as you don't say the TikTok. Yeah. So, so anyway, on the TikTok, there are these people who are, uh, influencers or whatever. Anyway, um, a lot of them are like, no, fuck that. I'm not going to do any more promotions for anything. Some of them are just now talking about, you know, like one of them I saw was like uh, the 10 worst French fries and fast food, you know, and then they're talking about fries. <laughs> um, but then there's controversy because some of them are like, well, yeah, I'll take the – I'll take the money from the studios and promote the movies. What does it matter? I'm not in part of SAG and uh, and uh, WGA. <laughs> don't do that. Um, yeah, no, no, don't do that. Support support the actors and the writers, man. Support Fran Drescher. Why why aren't we protecting her uh, like like Jake Gyllenhaal and Bubble Boy? We need to protect Fran Drescher at all cost, and she's being hurt just like everyone else out there. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I did not know she was president of the uh, of SAG. Uh, Neither did I. Not until I saw that the news broke that they were that they were striking. I was like, "Oh shit!" Fascinating and makes me so happy. I love Fran Drescher, so that was cool. Um, yeah, she is the best. Um, the nanny. We must protect her. We have to. I don't see what what other choice we have. We need yeah. to protect Fran. They're hurting Fran Drescher. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you know, just we all need to make sure that we're supporting the writers and the actors, even if that means we're not going to get any new movies for quite a while. I mean, obviously, the movies that are completed, we're going to get. But yes. Yeah. Um, You know what? At this point, it's a a sacrifice. I think uh, I'm willing to deliver it. Absolutely. And, you know, at the at the end of the episode, we'll go ahead and make recommendations um so we don't do it at the top of the show waste more time um yeah. but at the end we'll give recommendations stuff that i've watched recently stuff that you have watched recently and then we'll uh that aren't new and that we can um you know there's amazing stuff in the backlog for now so yeah absolutely <sighs> all right so, so Jeremy, would you like me to tell them uh what they've been waiting on for two weeks yeah <laughs> um and before I announce it, I just want to give a quick shout out um, to my friend Caitlin Peoples because her and her husband just went to New York to see the Broadway play of this. Did they? Yes. And I told her that we were going to be talking about it and she said that she couldn't wait to listen. So Caitlin, if you made it through all that, <laughs> here you go. Um, so today we are talking about Tim Burton's uh, 2007 adaptation of Sweeney Todd. The Demon Barber of Leap Street. Um, if you remember two weeks ago, I said that I loved this movie so much that I bought the deluxe version of the soundtrack. Uh-huh. I no longer have it. I, I did sell it back to not Hastings. Sure. Um, but I did redownload it because cool. it's just it's such a great soundtrack. <laughs> um, do you 
Do you happen to remember the first time you saw this movie? Yes. Normally I don't, but this time I did. And I called dad recently and he reminded me a lot of like, I was like, oh, that's right. We, it was with him and I, I do remember. So, um, we had to go to Odessa to go see it. Uh, it was at the, uh, you too? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause it was at the, the theater, the cinema. It, it, it was at century 12. Yeah. Century 12. Thank you. The century 12 behind the, uh, the home Depot there in Odessa. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, which I love that theater. I, I, you know, it's, um, it's a classic theater. I love it. it's, that's all it is. Bare bones. It's a theater, right? Love it. Anyway. So we went there and we were skeptical, you know, we were there for the blood and guts, but we weren't quite sure about this singing business. And, uh-huh. uh, and the, the movie started and we're like, you know what, this isn't so bad. Uh, and then, you know, like some of the songs are super catchy. Um, one of them is a waltz, which I, I really, it was like, it's a straight up waltz. Uh, it's, um, have a little priest by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then of course the blood and guts was great. Um, pretty gruesome at times, which I really liked. We liked the idea of, of this sort of forced cannibalism, which we were, we were into that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there was that you know, there's there's twists and turns at the end, and uh, you know, the the big where where everything comes to a head at the last like five ten minutes. Um, mm-hmm. We liked that, and then you know, ended up it was like you know what, okay, I'm in. That was that was pretty good. We liked it, both of us. Uh, even Dad, when I called him this weekend, he was like, you know what, I really liked that one. And I was like, oh shit, okay. Um, so. Dad's a hard sell when it comes to musicals, so that's a it's high praise. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. and you know, um, you know, Stephen Sondheim, man, he knows how to write a musical. Uh, yeah, because if I'm not mistaken, yep, yeah, yeah I, I was double checking because he also did Into the Woods, um, which I do which, not like. Uh, that's fine. I was gonna say if anyone saw the Rob Marshall version. Uh, from what I understand, the, the movie does not do it justice, uh, especially considering the the play is way more adult. And- so I've I've seen. Well, OK, so um, this also ties into Sweeney Todd. So this this will this will all make sense. So um, in college at Midland College, uh-huh. um, where I ended up working uh, years later. Um, I took a theater appreciation class. Okay. Okay. And I, I come to think of it as, you know, parts of it were hard to get through the class, uh-huh. but some of it was invaluable. Like I learned, um, I learned who Samuel Beckett was and I, I learned what avant-garde theater was, uh, during that time. So, I mean, it was, okay. it was well worth my time. However, there were two days or at least two two periods of the class. I don't mean period is in one class. I just mean like period of time right. um, where we watched filmed staged plays, meaning they're not a movie. It's just, it's a stage play where there were cameras. Okay. Uh, uh, for modern listeners, think of the most recent uh, Hannibal, uh, Hannibal Hamilton on Disney. Yes. Park. Yes. So, um, the first one was Sweeney Todd and okay. it was with Angela Lansbury, um, really? was Mrs. Mm. Lovett. Yes. 
um, which was fine. Uh, it, it took a while for me to, because I knew her as murder. She wrote, right. Because my, my mama, my, my dad's mom loved, it was on all the time. Right. Um, in her house. And it was okay. really hard to watch this because it was Angela Lansbury in a corset. Right. Uh huh. And so her breasts were like up here and really out. And I'm like, Angela, Mrs. Teapot, you put those away. So, <laughs> But that was fine, right? I was familiar uh-huh. with it at that time because it um, Sweeney Todd came out when we were in high school, and so I knew about it, so it was fine. The next one was Into the Woods. The instructor, the the, the professor, um, left the – he may have done it on purpose. I don't know. But the volume was on at full volume. Oh, God. And it was Into the Woods. And I lasted 15 minutes and I said, I'm leaving. And I left. Uh, so um, that might be why I don't like it. Cause it was just too fucking loud. Um, but, uh, but yeah, into the woods, I was like, Ugh. and even like, I remember when the movie came out and like the previews were being shown and the previews weren't showing music. And I was, uh, if I were around people when it came on, I was like, you know, it's a fucking musical, right? They're tricking you, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, I digress. I, to, 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 to close out this note, I yes. liked the movie, but I feel like the movie would have been better under a different studio rather than Disney since the musical is way more adult. But, but no, I digress the point. So, yes, I also yes. saw Sweeney Todd at Century 12 because uh, I was very excited to see the movie. And mom took me and yeah, dude, I, I had a blast. Although I want to say, I need to look it up real quick. I think this was the first rated R movie I'd seen. <gasps> no, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Shh. Shut <laughs> up. Yes, it was. Wow. Yes, it was. I thought it was Watchmen. Uh, you have it written down? No, I looked up the date. Mm. Cause Watchmen was 2009. Yes, it was. Um, but yeah, so this, well, okay. At least it's the first radar movie I can remember, like actually seeing. I'm sure, well, no, I saw The Big Lebowski. Never mind. <laughs> it wasn't the first radar movie I'd seen. But it was definitely the first radar movie I'd seen with that much gratuitous violence. Cool. Uh, which, to be honest, freaked me out. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> now that I'm older and I've seen the film, numerous times i'm like it doesn't bother me um especially because and i'm going to say it later and it's going to tie it back to our sleepy hollow episode sure uh there's a there's a reason for there so much blood but anyway um jeremy let me tell everyone what the movie's about okay uh as obviously that we've been saying the movie is a musical um telling the story of sweeney todd who was wrongfully imprisoned because uh, that's actually just an alias. His real name is Benjamin Barker wrongfully imprisoned for a crime. He didn't commit and we never know the crime, which to be honest, I'm glad don't need to know. Uh, but he comes home to London 15 years later and he has reinvented himself as Sweeney Todd to exact revenge on the man that stole his life. And, we're going to get into it, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time on the synopsis, but the movie is a descent into 
his revenge and how his revenge has begun to spread and corrupt everyone around him all culminating in my opinion one of the fucking saddest endings of all time (laughs) which i also wanted to point out i was like the whole time i was watching i was like you know i'm sure jeremy loves this movie because it's a fucking bummer (laughs) it is a bummer yeah and there's no there's no happy ending there's not even catharsis at the end there's just (laughs) the movie it just ends um but yeah uh like i said i didn't want to waste a lot of time because there's a lot of details i did want to really talk about that i Mm -hmm. didn't want to waste on the synopsis uh but that's that's the movie just him wanting to exact revenge and how his revenge has corrupted him and has consumed him for 15 years and um and yeah boom nailed it awesome where would you like to begin buddy Let's begin where let's begin somewhere different. Okay. Um let's begin with some some omission. Meaning okay. that okay. So in 1970, uh Christopher Bond wrote the play Sweeney Todd. Okay? Okay. He's the one who came up with this backstory, okay? Um, originally Sweeney Todd does not have this backstory. He's just this this guy who's slicing people's throats and they're making him into pies. I mean, that's the story, right? Yeah, it's um, it's a, a, a London penny dreadful story. It's a penny from, dreadful, that's right, from the 1800s, eight, 1846 18, and yep. 1847. Yes. So, um, good job, Rain. Well, it's because I looked it up today. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I should have. I could have just taken the win. I'm like, oh. Could have taken the win. It's fine. So, um, so what's really interesting is that now Christopher Bond had or Bond had to make this backstory sort of fit with the original Penny Dreadful narrative, which is just this, you know, evil guy who's doing these awful things. Right? It's interesting to give him a, a vengeful motivation and a tragic backstory. Um, I guess it would be the only way for us to even root for him, right? Yeah, because I, I definitely wouldn't say that he's an anti-hero in any way, because pretty much, much like a lot of the films we've discussed this season, no one in this world is good or decent, except mm-hmm. for Toby, which we'll get to. Yeah, poor Toby. Yeah. Um. He didn't die, right? Uh, no, no. It he, could have been way sadder no. then. Um, uh, <laughs> it fucking Joanna, you know? Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. this could have gotten way sadder, you guys. And yeah. so, I mean, count your blessings. Um, but yeah, so like the reason why it's important, I think, to bring this up is because there are parts of the backstory to me that are clunky in a way. Um, okay. For instance, like Judge Turpin, right? Okay. Fucking, I love, I love Alan Rickman so much. Okay. Yes. Ooh, ooh. Ashley was He's laughing at me because right? the whole time he was on screen, I was like, rest in power, King. I know. It, dude, like, he's amazing. But this character of Judge Turpin is so is so cartoonishly evil 
you know? Yeah. Uh, um, and that he, the story goes according to, um, according to Benjamin and, um, uh, Miss Lovett. Is it Lovett? Yes. Um, is that he, he saw the barber's wife, right? Mm-hmm. He immediately fell in love with her. He cooked up a a crime to pin uh to pin on Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Right. And then he um then he just like he tried to to keep her for his own and then she like tried to kill herself. Whatever. Well um, he rapes her. Rapes right, of course. He rapes yeah. This <laughs> I'm really glad Haley wasn't here for this because if she had been here with me watching this, she would have been like another one. <laughs> so DJ Khaled style. Yeah, exactly. Another um, one. She still hasn't forgiven me for irreversible. And that's fine. Um, <laughs> but anyway, shout so, out, shout out to our irreversible episode. But man. then it's, but then of course that's horrible. That's evil. That's nasty. Whatever mm-hmm. it's, a little strange because it, you know, it's sort of like, I don't know, I guess because it's a play, it's at the time anyway, it's a play, not a musical, but it's a play. So it needs to, you need to suspend your disbelief a little bit, but still it's a little clunky for me. The thing that was the most cartoonish thing for me was when he sentenced that little boy to death, <laughs> um, it, uh, to the gallows i was like come on man. we could have done without that you know i had well, forgotten was, all about that was that in the original play or was that know. something they or was that something they just added for the movie to, to show how evil he really is it's so silly to me um but i digress um so so anyway i i just like the you know for our viewers our listeners Zach, they may not know uh, the backstory or the the history of Sweeney Todd that it is this old, um, that the story is this old, um, and that it's gone through many iterations, and you know, mm-hmm. and um, some of this stuff has been added over time. Um, yeah, because well, you know, because then nine years later from the original play is when Stephen Sondheim turned it into a musical. I would have been interested to see this movie is not a musical. But we can talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, we have to talk yeah. about that. But in terms of the actual movie we're here to talk about, I guess I guess we can talk about the CGI in the beginning. It's terrible. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That early two thousands like PlayStation two CGI has not aged well. Uh, but I thankfully, think it was so cool at the time too. That's the yeah. that was the. That but was see, the here's the weird thing: certain scenes during that opening sequence, I think were were real, like like mm-hmm. the like the water pouring into yes. the sewer. I think I was, thought the same I think thing. Was, I thought I think that's real water that they yeah, filmed, the and I don't know. I don't know. Um, man, it was weird, but I do like how he's doing. I like it when movies do this. Uh, again, David Fincher is very good at this, but you have a full separate title sequence, which I really like. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, 
it it in and of itself is very theatrical, you know, in a way. Yes, I agree. Uh, and of course, the the music, uh, the score um, helps with the um, with the theatrics of the the feeling you get. Yeah, I'm going to a thing. Okay. Um, well, while you do that, uh, I did just want to say that of the Tim Burton movies we've discussed, I looked it up and on Rotten Tomatoes. And if you organize his films by the top highest rated to the bottom, uh, this movie is his eighth highest rated movie out of 10. So, oh, at first I was like, oh, that's not bad. And then I'm like, oh, that's out of 10. That's bad. <laughs> Well, but still, it's a eighty-four percent. Really? Yeah. At eight? Yep. Number ten was uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, okay. And then the nine nine was the one we were going to do, which is Corpse Bride. Oh. So it did better than Corpse Bride. But still, at eighty-four percent, and it it doesn't matter. But that's that's wild. Yeah. Um, so, okay, then I guess we can just jump right into um, Johnny Depp is great. Let's talk about uh, Johnny Depp. Absolutely. My man. And he was the only American on the cast. Yeah. And his accent's great. You know? Yeah. We, we I, always I, talk I, about Brits playing Americans and how Americans have a hard time playing Brits. And um, I think it's Robert Downey Jr. and uh, and Johnny Depp. They, they nail it. I don't, I don't know what they do, but it's great. I think well, and I think it's because you know Johnny. I think he's played more British characters than American characters. That's true. Um, I think technically, um, Captain Jack Sparrow is British, right? Yeah, yeah. Which oddly enough, I read that he was um, learning the music while they were filming uh, parts of the Caribbean at World's End. <laughs> so he was working on both movies. Well prepping for this movie while he was yeah. working on another movie. <laughs> yeah. Now you had mentioned, I don't know if it was on Mike last time, uh, cause it's been a year, but, um, you had mentioned, and I thought it was really interesting that when I had told you that Josh Groban is now Sweeney Todd on Broadway. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and I was like, yeah, but his voice is very operatic. I mean, is that sort of like the deal? And you said that that's how it's supposed to be. Um, and that his voice is supposed to be this sort of, um, this sort of operatic sort of range in this, in that Mm -hmm. vocal style, um, instead of what Depp is doing, which is more of a rock style. Yes. Which actually I read, um, Stephen Sondheim was a little worried about that. And I should also mention this doesn't really pertain to the movie, but Stephen Sondheim has since passed away. Um, but he did say this of most of the adaptations that are done of his projects. This is his favorite. Um, even though what's funny is, well, technically West Side Story is not his. He just did the lyrics. I know. I was about West to say Story. that's high praise because he wrote the lyrics for West Side Story. But I guess that doesn't count. Yeah, he did. He did both for Sweeney Todd music and lyrics. Mm. Um, but yeah, so Sweeney Todd's his favorite. But anyway. Um, that's what he was worried about. He was worried that Johnny's vocals were going to be too rock. Mm -hmm. And then if I misread this, I'm just going to stick with it. Uh, Johnny sent him directly his vocal audition and he was like, okay, yes. Cause, um, even though 
I read that Steven wasn't directly involved with the film. He was, they consulted with him constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of his stipulations was he got to approve the cast. And Tim said he wouldn't do it unless Johnny did it. And so thankfully Johnny sold Steven Sondheim on it. Yeah. Um, but see, but I think that adds something because we're talking about his vocals. I think that adds something to his version of Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. that his, his version is a little bit more rockified. Sure. Yeah. If that's a word, um, sure. which I, which I really love and it, and it comes and it goes, you know, he does a really good job of, of, of letting it be known. Like, uh, I would assume our favorite song, my friends, you can really tell that it's kind of got that rock influence. But then when he's singing at the beginning of the film, no place like London, it's just normal kind of musical style. Musical singing. singing. Yeah. Yeah. So all in all to say, to agree with what you're saying, Johnny killed it as he he has the whole series. He did great. Yeah, of course. Like it, no matter what, if he's in it, he's doing a great, he's doing a fantastic job. I, I mean, that's just how Johnny Depp is and how hopefully he will return too soon. Um, yes. Because it definitely hasn't been lately, but that's fine. Okay. No one's blaming him. So, um, yes. So with Sw- so Sweeney Todd, he's like this with with Christopher Bond creating this vengeance motive right mm-hmm. and i like how that vengeance and that motive and you said it perfectly in the beginning of this um where it sort of affects and infects people around him right like mm-hmm. um like mrs lovett would never have dreamed of cooking people before she met Sweeney Todd, right? Um, right. And so, like his uh, his hatred, his vengeance, his um, uh, his anger is so infectious, right? That mm-hmm. it really does affect everybody around it. Um, and even so, like it, it was a weird turn. It seems like a weird turn, but again, I think it's because his his affectation is so infectious, if that is even the correct word, um, is when he, he has that run in with fucking what's his face. Um, Sasha Barrett Cohen. Yeah. Sasha Barrett Cohen, uh, Pirelli. Well, his well, real name, Dave Collins, Dave Collins, or Dave Davey. Cause it's, it's London. So it'd be Davey. Yeah. Um, and so when he has that run, in, I don't, I don't know if, if Sweeney hadn't, it feels so weird calling him that. If Sweeney hadn't, um, hadn't boasted, hadn't fucked up his shit, you know, hadn't have called him out in front of all those people and showed him up in that impromptu competition, I don't know if Purely would have noticed it was him. Number one, um, which of course he wouldn't have. Number two, even if he had, I don't know if, um if he would have gone up to the, 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 the shop and, and tried to extort him. Right. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Cause Pirelli is definitely the, the catalyst 
for almost everything, you know, he's the catalyst for the idea to, Oh, this is how we can dispose the bodies. Um, he's the catalyst for, well, not really the catalyst, but kind of like the, the first stepping stone for him to have the idea of like, Oh, you know, fuck it. I'll just kill everyone. Like, yes. Yeah. If if I can't, if I can't get to the judge, I'll just kill everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. So yeah. Had, yeah, had Sweeney and Mrs. Lovitz just kind of kept their mouths shut in the market. Yeah, they. But see, I think, but I think the other thing is he was ready to pounce on Timothy Spall's character, the uh, Beetle Bard. Yeah, not Beetle Bard, Beetle Bamford. Bailey, uh, Bamford. That's it, Beetle, Beetle Bamford. Bamford. Um, so it was almost like this is something that he could redirect his attention to. Yes, because Maybe, well, yeah. the only reason why he was even he's even like, you know what, let's fucking let's do the shave off is because he wanted the Beetle Banford involved so he can get close to Beetle Banford, so he can get close mm. to the judge. Right? Right. So yeah. he's still he's still like a shark. He's only moving forward. He he's very he's he's got tunnel vision. All he wants is the judge, right? And so mm-hmm. By doing this, he inadvertently involves Purelli by Purelli getting upset at him, um, recognizing him, and then going up to extort, right? Because right. he humiliated him. I think if he hadn't done that, then this wouldn't be an issue. Um, and he slits his throat in the, uh, or he uh, kills him in the more um, classic Sweeney Todd way in the play. He doesn't uh, bludgeon him to death uh, in the play. Well, yeah, dude, it's insane. That was, you know, I remember the first time seeing that. That was insane. I was like, damn, he just beat the shit out of him with a with a steel teapot. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't instantly die. He's just unconscious yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. And then he slits his throat. And then I was yeah. like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a good segue to for me to bring up the blood in it. Sure. Just like Sleepy Hollow, the blood is really thick and overly red. Yeah. Um, because just like with Sleepy Hollow, this world is very gray. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like maybe in because I just had this thought as I'm saying these words is that in Sweeney's mind, his whole world is gray. This is the only color he can really see is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blood is the red. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, because when it's uh, when it's Mrs. Lovett and her uh, in in her point of view, everything's still pretty bright. Uh, when mm-hmm. she sings that fucking song that gets stuck in my head all the time. Oh, um, the, by the sea. Yeah. yeah. And and speaking of getting stuck in my head, so does that. Uh, so does Pirelli's song that gets stuck in my head. <laughs> uh, you know, Ash, Ashley was watching it with me, and when it got to. Joanna, I was like, you know, Jeremy admitted to me he hates the song. Hate it. And she was like, what? I was like, fine. I know, I know. And we'll talk about the music in a second because, yeah. um, because this this movie does very um, musically musically things, right? Uh, right? With the music and with the song choices and 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 anyway, but we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen. I mean. Anytime you see him in anything other than what you expect him to be in, he exceeds your expectations. Um, you know, 
And I'm pretty sure that was him really singing, except for when he hits the high note. I think oh, that was yeah. I think that was someone else. Um, I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find like a straight answer to it. So mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say it was him until the except high except for the high note. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I mean, um, I know we'll probably never talk about it, but you know, in Les Mis, he does his own singing in Les Mis. So I didn't know he was in them. You. Oh, what? I thought you've seen Lee Miz. No, why would I see Lee Miz? It's not, that's not just a musical. They're sing talking. I'm not, I'm not sitting through that. <laughs> and fucking Russell just... Crowe sing talking. I'd rather slip my wrist in the elbow. No, thank you. <laughs> well, and speaking of that, is this the first musical we've actually done on the podcast? I don't know. Maybe. I think it is. No, it's not because we fight. No, we talked about this last time. No, because we've done um, uh, Family of the Opera. Oh, right, 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 right. Remember? Yep, 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 right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were sing-splaining to me about the masquerade <laughs> ball. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and, I don't like- and, the only th- and the only thing they sing-splain to you in this movie is that Mrs. Lovett's pies are the worst. Yes. Um, I tend to like most Miss Lovett songs. Um, yeah. Well, you know, hang on. We'll, we'll get to the music in a second. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. So what we're talking about is that, yeah, Pirelli is sort of the catalyst for everything that snowballs in the movie. Yes. Essentially. Um, but then, you know, we have this subplot in a way of, Jamie Campbell Bower's character, Anthony, trying to rescue Joanna, and he sort of inadvertently is really gets entwined in Sweeney's plan a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, not really knowing Sweeney's true motivations to get to the judge. Right. But Sweeney definitely is trying to really utilize this sailor to rescue his daughter. It's almost like a, okay, if you can rescue my daughter, I can handle the judge. Like, and then I'll have this big, you know, happy moment because I'll have gotten my revenge and I'll get my daughter back. Yes. Go team break. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Um if it's more fledged out, obviously it's not in the Penny Dreadfuls. Um, it might not even be in the play either. How they even know each other? I mean, they just met on the boat. I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, he says it in a line of, di- line of dialogue. I missed um, he, I'm assuming, if I remember correctly, Sweeney escapes prison and gets lost at sea. And Anthony spots him from the boat. And that's how he gets rescued. Ah. Because he even says, uh, after he sings the whole, there was a barber and his wife. Mm -hmm. He says, like, I'd like to thank you. Had you not spotted me, I'd be lost on the ocean still. I don't remember that. Um, (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) You did also watch the movie Friday, and I literally watched it uh, two hours ago. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, okay. So, um, 
and then of course he meets what will become his muse this is mrs lovitz and um ensnares her in his uh in his vengeance and hatred and anger um mm-hmm. and corrupts her so fast um yeah well and you know and i was telling ashley this mrs lovitz yeah she's not a good person either no but she's not a murderous person you know like like she omitted the fact that his wife didn't die from the arsenic because she lusted after him yeah so she you know she used that information to be like well you know she took some arsenic but never said if she lived or not yeah but she definitely yeah she definitely is corrupted by his 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 vengeance when she comes she comes up with the idea of like oh we can just grind them up and put them in the pies no one will ever know yeah i mean she never would have done that without sweeney right of course yep i mean that's obvious but you know i mean you're right in that she's sort of like oh (laughs) you know i have an idea yeah um because i mean obviously sweeney's not like mad or, or like not worried that he just murdered somebody he doesn't really care um yeah it's almost like because i was telling ashley this when when he gets that first opportunity to shave the judge is like let's say just for the sake of argument the play ends here he successfully kills the judge how are they going to get rid of the body? Cause they mm. hadn't come up with the meat pie plan yet. Right. And beetle Bamford is waiting for the judge. So it's like, and it's because I don't think Sweeney cared. Well, and he, yeah, he's not thinking that far ahead. He doesn't care. He has nothing to lose. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, he's just like, if I, if they kill me, if I go to jail, I don't care. Uh, uh yeah. The fact well, is I'm and, taking the judge with me. Well, and Ashley brought up a good point. It's funny you say that. Um, even though he knows his daughter is alive by this point. Yeah. He doesn't really care necessarily. You know, he's, that's true. <laughs> he's so hell bent on his revenge that as we see later on in the movie, of course, he doesn't know what his daughter looks like, but he almost unknowingly killed his own daughter. Yeah. Uh, because his revenge is just consumed him and corrupted him would have made the movie five percent better um well i mean he killed his wife i know unknowingly, you know knowingly yeah um it's different i guess <laughs> i don't know <laughs> just <laughs> anyway uh, so miss love so yes so she gets the idea uh to mm-hmm. to bake people in these pies um which I'm, you know, I should have done more research about the the Penny Dreadfuls. That's probably in the the stories. Um, yes, I from the quick little overview I read of the original Penny Dreadful story. Yes, that was that they're still doing it. So they're doing that. Yeah. Okay, um, which is insane. Uh, it it's really so dark, is. you know. Um, yeah. and then and then she becomes like super successful because of you know how how much better the pies are now, which is also gross. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> a fun fact. Originally the, um, the original idea for Bob's burgers, uh, was they were going to uh, kill people and cook them and make them into burgers. Um, 
That's hilarious. So that's well, just don't they? Time. Well, don't they do that joke in the first episode? Yes, uh, it's a nod to the original uh, idea. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, um, but you're right. So, Miss Lovett, uh, Mrs. Lovett is um, is immediately infatuated with uh, Sweeney. That uh, well, and knows that he's Benjamin Barker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that she she does lie by omission. Um, about his wife still being alive and knowing not only that she's still alive, but who she is. Right. Yep. Um, which, I mean, can I tell you something? I'm mad. Something. At it. I'm mad that I didn't figure it out now, but when I first saw it, huge surprise. Okay. Well, but see, that's, that's huge. the beauty of it, man. Cause yep. I even brought it up to Ashley. It's like, you know, Tim, well, not even Tim, the play gave us the answer right there. Yeah. Like that was her. And, but you know we're meant to disregard this you know beggar woman even though we're like why does she keep popping up yeah well, who is she why is she so important right mm-hmm. um which i is a good segue uh to her because you're right she does pop up and it, throughout right she mm-hmm. even gets her own little part of a song um yep which will which we'll get into about the music in a second because it drove me insane um um but yeah and then you know when you find out who she is you're like holy fuck it what you know Mm -hmm. that's crazy um yeah well and ashley ashley did brought bring up a good point when he finally realizes who she is she was like he was three feet away from her in his studio and he still didn't know who she was but now he sees i'm gonna give him this one it was dark in there well well that's what i was trying to i was trying to like well, but I was like, well, it's a different situation now. Okay. I was like, like that's, I knew that was the answer, but I was like, it's, it's a different situation now. He's there's, I don't know. So she was like, I'll, mm. I'll tell you exactly why it's because I think she had the hat on still. It was dark in there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she's like the stranger in his place. So, you know, so he sliced her throat because uh, she's also a witness. And, um, <laughs> and so when, when, when she goes down the chute, um, and he opens the first when Miss Lovett opens the furnace, uh, the light shines on her face. Her hat is off. You can see her face fully now, which you haven't been able to do this whole movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're like, boom, it's Lucy, is, yeah. right? Um, and and yeah, okay, so. <sighs> Her face is super fucked because of the arsenic, I assume. Yeah. Um, in that it sort of messed with her brain a little bit, which is understandable. And of course, she's also traumatized because of what she's been through. Mm-hmm. Um, and just living on the streets. I mean, that's – it's a good reveal, man. That's all I'm trying to say. It's a good reveal. No, yeah. Because no, like, it, it's so obvious now, you know? That. Yeah, it, well, and it it is a good reveal because the the film and I assume also the play gives us two instances of false hope. Um, one when um, uh, Anthony comes to Sweeney and tells him like, "Hey, there's this girl. She's being held by her uh, her ward. She's a ward. Like it, it's a judge." So we get one sense of false hope, like okay, Sweeney's gonna, he's gonna get his daughter back. Yeah, and then we get it again 
right before this climax where, you know, uh, Anthony's like, you know, she's, she's in an asylum. I know she's there, but I don't know how to get her out. And he, and Sweeney formulates this plan and he's like, yeah, this is how we're going to get her. And you're like, oh, it's all going to work out. And then in a matter of minutes, it all just crumbles right after he kills the judge. Mm. So yes, he got what he wanted, but he almost kills his daughter. He 100% kills his wife. And now he really has nothing left to live for. Right. Because he doesn't, he doesn't know. He doesn't take the time since he doesn't see Anthony. He doesn't know if the mission was successful. So he's just going to say, you know what? I'm not getting my daughter back. And it's just. Yeah. Yeah. You do think that he's going to, you know, be more, be more proactive with trying to get Joanna from the judge. Right. Mm -hmm. I think maybe he's thinking like. It's well, number one, probably he's like, it's better if she doesn't know I exist. That's number one. Right. Um, Because like I'm like, I'm such a different person now that it's like not worth it. And and she probably doesn't even remember him because, you know, she was, you know, she's supposed to be 15. So she was probably only like a month old when he was. Two, if he kills the judge, then she's free anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, So there's that. But, you know, you do. You do think that, you know, with this new information, he's going to like try to, I don't know, because that's what you would do. Right. I think like as the audience, you're like, oh, well, I would go and find my long lost daughter and reconnect and then be a family again. Right. That's what you would assume. Um, But of course, this doesn't go that way. Um, Yeah. And and you're right. Things just sort of snowball completely out of control as soon as he gets what he wants, which is fascinating. Right. Because Mm -hmm. as soon as he kills the judge, you're right. Things just completely start to unravel. And um, and he loses everything immediately, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which might be like the whole point of the play. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably. Because um, you know he he lets Toby kill him. You know he knows Toby's behind him, and he leans his head back that way Toby can get to his neck. By the way, uh, the one of the only things I remember about going to see that with Dad. Is dad dad leaned over? He goes, "That's not how you would do it." By the way, you have to lean their neck forward. You can't lean it back. I was like, "Oh my god, dad!" Uh, he goes, "You got to compress all the all the arteries and stuff so you can get a, a better cut." I go, "Thanks, dad." So um, makes me think of that John Mulaney joke. Like, even though he was trying to change the subject, it definitely seemed like he killed that little girl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like. Thanks, Dad, for the for the tutorial. I mean, have I told everyone I've known when it's brought up since then? Yes. Um, have I told everyone that my dad has for sure slit someone's throat? Yes. Okay, I'm not saying he has done it. I'm just saying he knows how to do it effectively. I'm not saying he's ever done it in practice. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if given the chance, he could do it better than most <laughs> that's what i'm saying um uh, okay the music i want to talk about the, the music, music okay okay again there are songs in here that are very infectious 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, ones that come to mind. I'm glad you asked. Um, a little priest. I like very much. Um, yeah. to shave with the face. I like very much. <laughs> That's probably not what it's called. Uh, um, here, while, while you keep listening, I'll look it up. Great. Um, by the sea. I really like end of list. I, I those are the three. Um, um it's uh it's just called the contest oh well i call it to shave of the face and uh <laughs> and all weekend um, i was trying to do to shave of the face to trim of the beard and i'm trying to go as low as he did on beard and i just can't do it um yeah but um, but yeah and of course the ones i hate um joanna um <laughs> A pretty, a pretty woman. I don't like that song either. Um, these are these are two examples. Uh, I'm sure there are more, but but what I meant earlier about there's this thing that happens in the film where it's very it's it's very musical tropey is the the scene where Miss Lovett has opened her shop again and it is very successful mm-hmm. and they're gangbusters, right? Right. Miss Lovett is singing a song, Sweeney is singing a song, and the old woman or Lucy is singing a song. And they're all different songs. Okay? But it's culminating into one song. You know what I'm saying? You- well, so okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. Thank and you. Again, I I finished the I finished the movie two hours yeah, ago. Thank you. Yeah. So Sweeney is actually singing. Um, he's singing hang on. Joanna. He's singing the Joanna reprise with His Anthony. Part. Way better than Anthony's. Anyway, go ahead. Um, and uh, Lucy is also singing that song. Is she? So there. Mm-hmm. So because she's singing the like smoke, you know, yeah, city the on mischief. Fire. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So they're they're all singing Joanna Reprise. To me, those are two different songs. Um, and then the because I have the soundtrack pulled up, it's called God That's Good, mm-hmm. which is um Mrs. Lovett's and Toby singing that, but yeah, they're singing yes. two different parts. Yes. Uh which yeah. Cause it Sweeney all into one thing. Yeah, because Sweeney is more so, and I pointed it out. To Ashley, and she agreed with me. Uh, he steps out onto the balcony, and he's overlooking them, sort of like a looming presence. Mm-hmm. Which I was like, "That's very, that's a very theatrical thing to do." Yes, but it works really well. Yes, uh, you can but see yes, him in uh, the in the window um, mm-hmm. that uh, that Lucy is looking at um, on the street. And listen, I I try I have tried for days to put into words why why I don't like it. <laughs> I don't, I, I can't tell you because like, I understand that this is what musicals are. Right. And mm-hmm. I can't just say, I don't like musicals because that's not true either. Um, yeah. Future yeah. episode, Chicago. <sighs> so good. Um, I don't know. I think it just might be too theatrical. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just, I don't like Lucy's part. Maybe that's my problem. I, I think it just might, I don't know. Also, I always imagine someone sitting next to me who doesn't like it, right? Um, and I go, mm-hmm. what would they be thinking right now? And what would be bothering them right now? I don't know why I do that. But um, 
and that was part that was a part that I was like oh it you know like if i were someone who were watching this for the first time um it would put me off for some reason and i don't know why i think that well well no i could uh was that abby or annie it was abby <laughs> Uh, no, I could I could get why why you would think that. You know, I I don't think it bothers me as much. Of course, um, it you like it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, it's because I think I was exposed to uh, musical theater at a really young age, um, and so I don't know. Just never it never bothers me. I think it's because for me, we're getting in one song we're getting three different characters perspectives in which, one song which i liked right that that's the part mm-hmm. i like about it uh maybe the musical choices i didn't care for um yeah or something i don't um, know it seems weird to complain about it because i'm almost well, not complaining about it well um, but i mean we get the same thing in uh the pirelli's miracle elixir song toby yes is singing the pitch of like yeah this is why you should get it and then Mrs. Lovett and Sweeney is singing the like, Oh, smells like piss, you know, yeah. which I really like that you can still hear them singing under his pitch. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean pitches and vocal pitch. I mean, you meant pitches selling, and like pitch. selling up. Yeah. Yeah. But you're but right. Yeah. They do do that in that. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Somehow it doesn't even register to me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, it was now, just such a musical moment, I guess that, you know, it's not your traditional or I guess that would be a traditional musical moment, but in, in terms of like a, just as like a straightforward, like musical film, it would be, you know, dialogue, plot, sing dialogue, plot, mm-hmm. sing, right. This was more of a, right. this is what you would get at the theater. Right. Right. You know what? Here's a good thing. Um, again, Caitlin, if you have listened this far, comment and see what it was like since you got to see it live and see how that worked live. If it was meant to be, if it was written to be that theatrical or what your opinion on was it? Yeah. And again, that's that's hoping that you've made it this far, Caitlin. So Lord, could you imagine (laughs) a messenger and a messenger and be like, Hey, yeah. Did you, did you hear when I asked, like asked you to comment? (laughs) She's like, what? She's like, no, I, I didn't make it past the SAG stuff. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So um, is there more I wanted to talk about? Maybe. Um, well, here. You talked about your favorite songs. Yes. Let me talk yes. about my favorite songs. Real yes, quick. please. Um, one of my favorites, and I mentioned it earlier, is is My Friends. It's okay. one of my favorites. I, I love this um, – uh, um, can't think of the right word. Uh, almost humanizing his tool. Um, it's called personification. About, there we go. Personification of his razor, um, calling it a friend, and that, and it's and it's real clever lyrics about dripping rubies because mm-hmm. he's pre- pretty much laying out his plan. Like we're gonna kill people. Yeah, or at and least the judge. The judge, yeah, and and I love it. Um, another one of my favorites uh, is "By the Sea," but more so for the film, not the song itself. Mm-hmm. I like I like the song; it's a good song, but in context of the scene, because yeah, Sweeney, 
at that point in the story, Sweeney is so checked out mentally that he just, and I love that even in the fantasy, he's so checked out. It's like, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be even, even in her fantasy, he's checked out and she's like, that's fine. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And then, um, I really like, uh, not while I'm around, uh, the song that Toby sings to Mrs. Lovett. Mm -hmm. Um, because it starts off as such an innocent song of a boy who has imprinted on this woman sort of a, a motherly figure that he's yeah. probably never had. And then when Mrs. Lovett starts to sing, you know, the song turns a little bit more sinister. Yes. Because we as we as the audience, we know even though she's saying the words, she doesn't mean them because essentially toby's getting too close yeah yeah no, and you're exactly right and, and i don't know and, and it's and, and and it's just so good the how again how the song is written to be so innocent at the start mm-hmm. and then it just turns towards the end so oh, you're right I didn't think about um, that, that they can use the same lyrics to be so innocent and then so sinister right later mm-hmm. on i completely agree now, good choice now i don't have a one I dislike. I, I love the whole soundtrack. Um, I would say the one that I don't listen to the most is Green Finch and Linnet Bird, Joanna's song. Um, Terrible. Because Ashley pointed it out one time and I fully agree. The And this isn't anything to do with the song itself. This has to do with the, the actor. Um, hang on. Her name is credited on the song. Hang on. Shut up. That's a Jane Wisner. Um, she's great in the movie, but her singing voice is very um, mousy or as Ashley would say, very Disney princess. And ever since Ashley said that, I'm like, I f- can't fucking stand this song mm-hmm. now. So it's not that I hate it. I just I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Again, I- not. Not because I hate it. Yeah, no, I, I get it. Um, can I tell you that my brain completely edited that song out? Like, I don't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just gone. There's just like, it's like, hang on, how long is this song? Hang on, let's see how long the song is. Wait, I gotta make sure my volume's turned down. Okay, good. Um, so your brain just like you black out for two minutes and 16 seconds my brain just went skip and then <laughs> skipped didn't even register exactly, in my brain exactly like a blackout you're like yeah whoa what what just happened yeah yeah That's, i don't i don't remember that song at all couldn't tell you when it is in the movie um uh, it's 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 right before joanna oh well okay i guess my friend was like get ready man you hate this one <laughs> i think it's um, because it's so whiny i think that might be my of course i'm whining now so i don't know what my problem <laughs> is. uh so you so you should be singing uh green finch and linnet bird i should be because yeah i'm i'm the one who's whining about the song being not to my <laughs> liking but um i just don't like it and you said that this guy uh ended up being successful this actor that's pretty cool um, wait which one uh, the guy Anthony he ended up being being successful. Oh yeah, D- Jamie Campbell Bauer, or yeah. as originally he was Jamie Campbell, and then I guess he used his full name. 
Uh, yeah, dude, he went on to be in Twilight and, and I've stuff. seen all those. I didn't. Re- Haley made me watch all of them. It doesn't. It was like a year ago, but she made me watch all those. I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, more recently, um, he was revealed to be the the really big bad overarching villain of Stranger Things, mm. uh, Vecna. Um. Uh. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about a good reveal. That's a that reveal is a one steak right. sauce. Uh, sure. Um, okay. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, yeah, I don't care about that, uh, about stranger things, but okay. So, well, it'll I be 10 years something. before we get season five. So I had something and I don't remember now what it was and it's all your fault. Um, Oh, I remember now. Okay. Um, so obviously we have opinions about this movie, right? Um, right. I would okay. If I were to give it a out of five stars, I don't even remember what I gave it on Letterboxd. Uh, I would say a three and a half. Yeah, uh, I got you, fam. At most, do you have it? Yeah, yeah, I can have it up in two. Thanks. Because I don't remember seconds. what I gave it. I would say three. You gave it three and a half. Um, Roger Ebert. Uh, out of four, gave it all four. Um, Roger Ebert was like, this is it. <laughs> it's like, we made it, you know? Um, it's like it. the it's it's like the Paul Rudd meme when he was on Hot Ones. Like, hey, look at us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, that's what Ebert, Ebert's over here going, look at us. You know? Look, look, look at us. Look at this guy that I've like probably torched his career. He finally did it. I don't want to do a disservice to the review, so go look at the review uh, if you're interested. Uh, Roger Ebert's review of Sweeney Todd. Um, it's interesting, and you know he's he loves it, and you know it's it makes you it makes you want to like it more. So that's cool. Um, well, and and like I was saying, you know, I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes scores for Tim Burton, and this one is again, like I said, out of the out of the top ten, this is number eight. Now, two of those get a pass that are in his top 10 because two of them he didn't direct. Uh, Nightmare, obviously, is number one, and he didn't direct Nightmare. Um, And James and the Giant Peach, he only produced that. Why did they put those on there? Because, you know, he produced them. But in terms of his filmography, where this sits, hang on, I'm, I'm getting it up. Thank you. You know, he had. You know, so he had two movies in 2005. Okay. He had Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Corpse Bride. Um, Charlie and Chocolate Factory is 85, 83%, and Corpse Bride was 84. I'm so sorry. And then two- I'm sorry. Did you say Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is in the 80s? Yeah, it's 83%, certified fresh, 83%. What? Yeah. See, this is why Rotten Tomatoes is complete bullshit. Uh, well, here stupid. the audience score. The audience score is fifty-one percent. I mean, that's better. Uh, but then, but then, his next film was Sweeney Todd, and it was eighty-six percent fresh. So it's a solid. Then, Listen, I, I, I've, I've told you my criticisms. This does not mean I don't like the movie. I enjoyed myself. I, I really liked this rewatch. Right. Um, 
again, the music is very catchy. You know, I'm sing, I'm singing it, you know, the next day. Uh, I'm singing to shave of the face, you know. Uh I I was singing during the movie. Like I was <laughs> singing along with the movie. I guess I could have. I was here by myself, but um <laughs> maybe you shouldn't have Haley watch the movie. That way you can get her opinion on the whole multiple characters singing the same song. I don't know. It might have been it might be too gruesome for her. Um because at the end, I mean, we I guess now we can finish out with the gore because the gore is why dad and I were there in the first place, right? Yeah. So like to me the the gore was surprising right because Mm -hmm. it's a musical i'm not expecting it to be and of course i haven't seen repo the rock opera but why would you want to though because i like the juxtaposition between gruesome and in in musical for some reason those things are like the they don't work but they do And, and here's a good example because when you think musical you think sort of like i'm I, I'm safe, right? Like it's a musical. So mm-hmm. it's like lighthearted. It's supposed to be, you know, this thing. And then you see it and it's like, that dude just got basically decapitated. Right. And then yeah. when, especially at the end where he's throwing them down the chute and they're cracking their skulls open, you know, yeah. at, at the bottom of, of the chute, you know? Um, well, are you ready for me to blow your fucking mind? Yeah. So I read, this was Tim Tim Burton's decision to up up the blood, up the gore. Cool. Because in the original play, there's not that much. Well, there can't be. Um, right? Yeah. And he felt like that if they did that, it would take away from a lot of the emotional scenes, um, which I think is another reason why the blood is so, uh, so red and so vibrant mm-hmm. is because it's meant to showcase i guess i would assume his rage and his his vengeance well i like your reading of it that that's like what he can see right like he's yeah like he's so focused on the blood that that's what's going to be so vibrant that's what's going to stick out more in this gray world that he lives in i like that reading it's a good job yeah and um but yeah that was tim that was all tim's decision tim was like no we gotta we gotta up the blood that's rad and and there's a lot man especially (laughs) During the montage of him just slitting people's yes, throats, man. Yes. And then, of course, we get the most when he, which Ashley brought up a good point, which I never caught. Um, when he finally does kill the judge, that's the most we see. And Ashley was like, well, yeah, he doesn't immediately slit his throat. And I was like, oh, yeah, because he wants him to suffer. He wants yeah. him to suffer first before he kills him. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, that's because he hits the artery and then he slits the throat. Cause he got what he wanted, but it, yeah, but yeah, man. It, Cause yeah, it was also shocking for me, especially let's see, 2007. Got to do some math here. So 16 years. So I was 14 years old when I saw this movie, which means you were too. Yes. Um, uh, hang on. When did the movie come out? It was like September 2004, right? Or 2007, right? It was uh, 2007. Yeah. Fuck. I don't remember. Fucking, fucking bullshit. Uh, also i think i was also December December 21st i was also excited when i saw the movie because um i was uh, like you a gigantic harry potter fan and uh, and we got three uh in this movie you know we got helen bottom carter we had uh, we had timothy uh spall 
and then uh, we had Alan Rickman. Um, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, are they like friends or something? Like they're in everything, uh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, because Ashley, because Ashley was like, did had um, Prisoner of Azkaban come out by this point? And yeah, Prisoner of Azkaban was sure four. And then I think uh, Goblet of Fire was. Hang on, shut your mouth. Yeah, I think we even had um, it was 2005. Mm-hmm. I think we even and had um, fucking Order of the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix, yeah. yeah. Order of the Phoenix came out, right? So, yeah, all of them had been in a Harry Potter movie, and of course, I was obsessed with with those films and the books, and so. Uh, well, audiobooks. I don't know how to read. <laughs> Order of the Phoenix was 2007. It came out in July. So, which means, yeah. Yeah, Helena was – she probably finished up with that and then went right over and did that. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. We, we'd, we'd already – yeah. We'd already gotten to see all three of them, especially in that movie Um, because that's when we first meet uh, Bellatrix. So – yeah, so it was very exciting for, yeah. for us Harry Potter heads uh, to to get all those guys. And, you know, of course, everyone just – again, everyone's given amazing performances. There, mm-hmm. No one is phoning anything in. No one is – no one's trying too hard. No one is, you know, is lacking talent in this film. And, of course, again, if, you know – People in 2007 who just know him as Borat, I mean, if once you see this, you're like, he's like really talented. You know, Sasha Baron Cohen yeah. is amazing. And of course, we know that now. But yeah, uh, I um, I still have Trial of the Chicago 7 on my watch list. Oh, he's great. Because um, I will. Yeah. Didn't he get nominated for a Golden Globe for that yeah. performance? I'm like, mm, 85% already did. I don't watch award shows. Maybe anymore. future maybe maybe future rain will correct me. Well, let's hope so. I've I've been looking at my phone too much this episode. So <laughs> yeah, no, I I um no, I I completely agree, especially with uh Jamie Campbell, because this was his feature film debut. Like, yeah, he'd done some theater before this, but like this is what kind of got him got him started. Um and I believe from what I read, the same with the actress who plays Joanna, um, because they apparently wanted Anne Hathaway for Joanna. But Tim was like, no, let's get someone who's unknown. Mm-hmm. And that's when they landed with with uh, what did I say her name was Jane. Jane uh, Wisner. Um, skip. I literally did it again. I literally just said I wasn't going to look at my phone and I'm doing it again. <laughs> Jane Wisner. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I completely agree, especially of course the main man himself, Johnny, uh, you know, just crushing it, uh, in the lead role, especially yeah. considering the last time, as I just looked back and told everyone, uh, last time we saw him was in 2005 in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And then two years later, he got to do it again, be the, the lead yeah. in another Tim Burton movie. I'm telling you, man. I mean, yeah, Johnny Depp is yeah. great in this. Uh, you know, again, it's all it's all good. Um, my criticism aside, it's a, it's a great movie, and people should see it. That's you know, we'd spoil it, but still, it's all right. 
Um, and we forgot to say at the top of the show where they could find it. Uh, you can't find Fucking it anywhere. Nowhere. Because I looked you, everywhere. <laughs> you will have to buy it. Um, I rented it on iTunes. So, yeah. If you want it digitally, you're going to have to pay for it. If you want it for free, well, then I guess you're going to have to pirate it. Or Can you believe something. I didn't have it anywhere? You didn't have it? I could have no. sworn you had it. No. Didn't have that one. I have it. You know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh so jeremy are you ready to wrap up wrap up wrap up i am we've rambled enough um yeah it's it's great um i may try to track down if it's anywhere maybe it's scanned somewhere these old penny dreadfuls from the 1800s that'd be cool to find something uh sweeney toddish around there um i'd be interested to see what this movie would be like without music uh what that would look like if uh, what what it would be like like what your emotions would be watching this movie would it be any different you know i want to say in 1998 ben kingsley did a made for tv film called the tale of sweeney todd and i don't think it's a musical okay i think it's just a straight excuse me uh horror film so I'd see that. Yeah. Yeah. But again, you know, it's like, what, how is it going to change your perception of the story? Right. With it. Cause I've only mm-hmm. known it as a musical now. So, I mean, I don't know, you know, even though yeah. that's not how it began. So I don't know. Um, yeah. be really interesting to find out anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything to say that you haven't already said. So, cool. Great. well, well, buddy, um, before you tell everyone your next pick, you know, we are, getting ready to wrap up this season. You've got your final pick. Yep. I've got my final pick. And yep. then we are in the uh, end of season series. Yep. So buddy, uh, what is your final pick? Uh, my final pick. And I, you probably don't even remember that those of you listening, we're doing Fritz Lang on my end. Uh, and it's <laughs> uh, the last one uh, for the season. Um, and it is the big heat. Uh, 1953. Uh, film noir uh, know nothing about it never seen it so we'll see how it goes <laughs> you know I feel like these last few ones we've done for you you've never seen yes um, that is correct <laughs> but I am excited um, for this one um, hang on let's see if I can get it oh god oh god uh, I am excited for this one just because I really like the indicator uh, cover art for mm-hmm. it yeah um so that just kind of sold me right there. Uh, but let's, let's, let's hope that um, it pays off. Unlike uh, what Ministry was the one we didn't really like? Ministry of Fear. Mm-hmm. That was right. um, and this one, is this one the shortest? Cause I just saw that it was only 90 minutes. Yeah. It's only 90 minutes. Um, I don't think it's the shortest. I think. Um, was Ministry of Fear the shortest? I don't know. No, one of them was shortest. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ministry of Fear was the shortest. 87 minutes. There you go. Uh, thank God, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm excited. Uh, again, film noir. Um, a tough cop tries to uh, take down a crime syndicate. So we'll see how that goes. Um, excited. Of course, it's going to be, you know, hopefully it'll have some of that Fritz Lang charm that mm-hmm. it's amazing that from the very beginning of the season, 
we're seeing a lot of what I loved about Fritz Lang sort of fade over time and that he becomes more of a traditional filmmaker over time um, instead of holding on to just the pure concentrated creativity that he had in the silent eras. Um, so would you say, and we'll get into it more next week, but would you say it's because by this point in his career, he's really adopted, uh, American filmmaking? Probably. Uh, and of course he's had to deal with the American studio system too. So, I mean, we're, um, so of course it's all different, right? Um, mm-hmm. those who have seen Babylon, uh, know, um, the huge change it was from the the chaos and anarchy that was silent filmmaking to the um structured quiet that is sound in studio filmmaking um so maybe that just maybe that's what it is you know um that it's just the change in time and the change in style and change in attitude and you know, and of course, having to deal with a new way of making films, right? That he didn't have to in the first half of his career. And now he has to deal with, well, I think they should kiss at the end. And he's like, fine, you know? I guess. Yeah. yeah. And fucking ruin a great ending that could have been, right? Um, yeah. In which an already great film, which was Fury, um, that it could have, you know, the, the, the ending punch could have landed a little bit harder, you know, if he had had his way, but you know, um, we'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, before we close out the show, uh, we told everyone we'd give them some quick recommendations. Yeah. Um, cause I did just remember this. Uh, I did watch a movie that I hadn't seen, uh, while Ashley and I were out of town. So I'll just run through mine real quick. Um, this first one, I'm going to get this one out. Isn't necessarily recommendation because it's been out for a year. Uh, we finally saw Amsterdam. Um, I really enjoyed it. Did you? I don't really. Mm-hmm. I I meant to see it in theaters. Didn't get around to seeing it in theaters. And it's on. We saw it on Max, and so we watched it with mom. Um, I really enjoyed it. I don't understand why. I could see why people didn't like it. Um, well, I know David O. Russell. Like it. it has nothing to do well, with the movie. It has everything to do with David O. Russell being a real piece of yeah. shit. <laughs> Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought the cast had really good chemistry together. Um, I liked the, 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 not really the who done it, but more of the, just trying to solve the mystery. I really like that. You know, I've, I've always struggled with David O. Russell films. I'm trying to think of what I really, I liked silver linings playbook. I, I did you like American hustle? No, I did not like American hustle. Um, and I didn't like joy either. Um, and American Hustle really isn't American Hustle's fault because I saw American Hustle and then an hour later I saw The Wolf of Wall Street and I was like oh that was way fucking better you know (laughs) like it wasn't even close you know and and so maybe that's probably what tainted you know American Hustle to me but I also remember not liking it anyway right yeah Enjoyed it. Um, like I've never seen Three Kings, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so my actual recommendation is if you haven't watched it, um, the whole season's up on Apple TV Plus. If you have an Apple TV Plus subscription, um, that's Shrinking uh, with Jason Siegel, Harrison Ford, 
um, by Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein of Ted Lasso. Uh, in between season two and three of Ted Lasso, Brett and Bill came up with this idea and quickly went to LA to shoot it. And it's, it's phenomenal. Um, I got through the whole season in about two days. Um, the episodes are only about 25 to 30 minutes long. And it's just a great, a really interesting take on a very traditional story of dealing with grief with someone who's in a position where you would think they could deal with grief really well since he's a therapist. And it's just, the cast is great. Um, uh, of course I love Jason Siegel. Um, anything he's in, I'll watch. Um, I hope there's a season two. I believe they got renewed for a season two, but with everything that we said, that we said at the top of the show, yeah, we probably won't get a season two for a while. So <laughs> yeah, I'll be, I'll so I only be really have one recommendation. I mean, technically two, if anyone out there hasn't seen the Amsterdam, it's on max, you can go see it. Uh, but I really, really, really recommend shrinking. I thought it was fantastic. Um, Harrison Ford definitely stole the show. Um, every scene he was in, he was fantastic. So Jeremy, cool. what are your recommendations? Uh, I have quite a few. I went on a binge this weekend. <laughs> Haley was out of town. And so I just sat in front of the TV and watched movies all weekend. Um, at the top, uh, David Burns, uh, true stories. It's awesome. Um, if you know anything about David Byrne, lead singer of the talking heads, um, he is very eccentric, very unique, very quirky. Um, it's so beautifully, wonderfully strange. I loved it. Um, it's so weird and yeah, it's just, it's, it's a fun light movie. And I, I really, I really liked it. Uh, John Goodman's amazing in it. Um, and David Byrne, he's great in it. Um, nice. so definitely see true stories. Um, I watched grave of the fireflies. Uh, normally I know it's not my thing, this Japanese animation, but, uh, this one, holy Jesus. Um, even if you don't like Japanese animation, because I do not, uh, this is completely different. It is a beautiful, wonderful, heartbreaking, uh, tragic story. Uh, it's a world war two story takes place in Japan. Obviously it is amazing. Grave of the Fireflies, you have to see. Um, I also watched The Lost Weekend, which I also really, really liked. Um, I forgot the guy's name. Holy shit. It's directed by Billy Wilder. Um, and I got you, buddy. I've almost. Thank you. Um, because he was in uh, Ministry of Fear. Ray Millard. Thank you. Ray Mil- Millard. Mil- Ray- Milland. Ray Milland won an Oscar uh, for this movie uh, about. Uh, an alcoholic going on one last bender um, as his life is falling apart around him. And it's amazing. So yeah, uh, check out Lost Weekend. It's really good. Um, nice. Yeah, those will those, those, those get you through. Nice. Yeah. Well, um, we hope everyone, uh, if you made it this far, we hope you got some good recommendations um, and yeah. that you enjoyed the episode. Um, we're getting close to closing out season seven and we will see everyone next week for the big heat.